This morning, we're, I want to talk about the gates and the gatekeepers. Gates and gatekeepers. And so, um, heaven has gates, hell has gates, and life has gates. And those gates need gatekeepers. So if you put the passage of scriptures up there, and, and this is just to give you, a, you know, just a touch of, of this idea and this thought. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a door creeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. One day versus a thousand. Mm. In blessing I will bless you and multiply and I will multiply your descendants of the stars of heaven. This is to Abraham and the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of your enemies. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it. All those chosen as gatekeepers were 212. This is for the temple. They were recorded by their genealogy in their villages. And David and Samuel, the seer, had appointed them to their trusted offices. Now, there were in the same country. It's not Christmas, I know. Shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Some gatekeepers. I'd like for you to, in the process of receiving and applying the, our thoughts this morning, I'd like you to think of your heart as your temple. Because it is. Think of your mind as like Jerusalem, which was the seat of information and judgment, or what judgment was sent down from. And your thoughts, like the inhabitants of the city. Your relationship with Christ, like your walls. And the gates are access points to the temple. They are entry points through which powers and forces, good or bad, come into life and the affairs 
of life. Gates is a real subject matter in the Bible. It is, in some broad senses, it's a place of access or denial, of entrance and exits. It is a passageway. In the simple form, it's an opening through a wall, a barrier created so that people and things could pass through. There are simple gates and there are also major gates. Many of the gates, when you hear about the king sitting there or one of the prophets there, is more than just a a door. It literally is, you know, a huge room or chamber. A typical structure consisted of an outer gate and an inner gate. And between those two was a large room or Corridor. I mean, you know, some of them were mammoth because the amount of things that would go, go on there. It was in those, between those two gates, those two lines of defenses that, that much of life took place. It's more than an entry point, but it's a place that things that are imparted into life oftentimes are determined. It was a place that would speak to the public economy. Yes. It has a function as a place or a seat of authority a place that controlled and provided strongly fortified protection. It had some rules and guidelines and that they were to be open during the day and they were to be closed at night. And yet, if there was an attack that was going to take place even during the day, then they were to be closed to keep out the enemy. There was a move and flow, an ebb and flow that was there. Gates were the most vulnerable part of the strength of a fortress in a stronghold. Depending on the strength of the gate was the strength of the defense. Whoever controlled the gate controlled the city. With those gates, there was an assignment that was, they were known as gatekeepers or various other words of watchmen or someone who is in charge of what passes through the gate. One who monitors or oversees Someone who is in service or someone who serves. 
He is or she is someone who manages. You build walls, but you guard gates. Jesus said that there is only one gate for access to the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Everyone has a domain, and you are a gatekeeper. You have a responsibility to guard the entryway. The power and the natural responsibility becomes apparent that even in spiritual things, we carry a major influence. You will notice in John chapter 10, referencing the entrance of the shepherd, the porter opens a gate to let the shepherd in. Think about it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the gate and I knock. If anybody or if there will be a gatekeeper who will open the door, I'll come in. The powerful role of gatekeepers, personally and spiritually, heavenly and earthly. It was in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 13, Jesus speaking to the, the same framework and how they had gotten out of uh, sync with heaven. What do you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites? I'm not calling you that. That's God. So you take that up with him, all right, this morning, if, if somehow that, uh, you know, gets to you. <laughs> For you shut up. The kingdom of heaven. Against men, you neither go in yourself, nor do you allow those who are, who are entering to go in. You see the powerful role. That you play, and that we play. With regard to life in all of its facets and all its, its dynamics. As far as the Lord's house, it says you stand as a gatekeeper. And a responsibility is to be committed to keep out what God rejects and to also guard within what God has placed there. 
keeper of the keys. Thou art Peter, and I give to you the keys. What are keys for? For gates, for doors. So we are keepers of some keys. We won't go into all of that because this is a, just a, an amazing just a study in itself. And gate activity is a busy place. It was a place where legal or governmental leaders of the city sat to hand down judicial decisions. There, even from these less this this elections, there is this is a gate. Decisions, both in every aspect, will take place. So there at the gate, agreements are made. Remember, it was at the gate that Mordecai learned of the assassination attempt or planning the assassination of the king at the gate. It was at the gate that Boaz worked out the agreement of redemption for Ruth. At the gate. Yes. At the gate, it was a podium for prophets. It was there that the messages of God were were brought. The word of the Lord was given. But not only the word of the Lord, but the word of kings was set there. Had a major role at the gates. The gates has some symbolism and metaphors. It's a symbol of authority. Jesus described, which we mentioned already, entrance into the kingdom as a passage through a narrow pedestrian gate is contrasted to the wider and more frequently used gates. We read the scripture in Genesis 2. Your descendants shall possess the gate of your enemies. I. There is a connection between the gate of heaven and the access of it into the earth. The house of God. It was in Genesis chapter 28, verse 17. Here we see Jacob in this moment, in this setting of the ladder to heaven, from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. And he pairs them together. He said, this is none other than the house of God. 
and the gate of heaven. The church is a gate. Yes. Kay read the passage of Scripture, My house shall be called a house of prayer. The gatekeepers have such a powerful influence that they can change the purpose of the house. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it. I'm trying to show you the role that, you know, that we play. And they change the purpose of it. Oh, hallelujah. See, it wasn't just the absence of prayer. It was the replacement of prayer with something else. When prayer goes, stealers come in. Stealers come in. Oh, we are going to rise to the occasion of the gatekeepers. In our hour and our time, it's symbolic of evil powers. Matthew 16 and 18, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was at the gate that the enemy laid in wait, not only for Samson, but laid in wait for Saul. This is the Apostle Paul that we know, but his name had not yet been changed to to Paul. They laid at the gate, set at the gate, looking for the opportunity to take him. It is a place of not only the powers of God, but also the powers of evil. The gate. The gate. The word gate in itself, and let me give it to you just some, hopefully it'll help the general over idea. G, to guard faithfully the gates of spiritual life and family values. A, achieving the God-given dreams and visions with integrity. T, take back our inheritance, personal, church, culture, and nation. And E, equipping the next generation for expansion. What did that spell? Gate. (laughs) All right. Hallelujah. What (laughs) what is supposed to be, you know, at this gate as the the you know overall supporting elements? 
Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 16 says that at the gates there should be truth, justice, and peace. At the gates. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. So as a gatekeeper, your purpose is to guard in that appointed post and that lookout. It's to take notice of the activity that goes on there so that nothing gets in to defile the city and the temple. It's not to have a skeptical eye. It is to have a trained eye. There is an element of protection and counsel that is given. We can step into gatekeeper qualifications. You know, men of loyalty and character, integrity and fear of the Lord. And because a gate is only as good as the gatekeeper. In the gatekeeper's role and kind of his, his uh, how, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, how he should function and operate. It should be under God's convictions and not man's preference. Does it make any difference? I think so. There were nine gates in Jerusalem. We won't go into those, and each one of them have a spiritual element and connotation, but I want to look at this morning of repairing some gates. See, Nehemiah, when he came to the city, the walls were broken down and the gates were in disrepair. And he commissioned gates to be repaired. We have gates. Gates to our spirit. Gates to our soul. Gates to our body. I wonder if we are called today... To take, as Nehemiah did, a tour through our city. As he went and he assessed and from the assessment he organized a plan. The purpose is to to recover, and not only recover, but also protect. I love Isaiah 58. And in Isaiah 58, it tells us what, you know, a role of God's people is to be. You shall build the old waste places. Now you'll see in Nehemiah, one of the gates is called the old gate. 
the old gate has to do with the truths that have been, you know, forgotten or mislaid. And so he says here that in the repairing one of the roles of God's people is to bring back those great truths. Oh. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations. Okay. Generations of the foundations yesterday, but for laying foundations for that which is ahead of us. Give the Lord a praise. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not just me and my salvation. It's, it's generation after generation after generation getting the right foundation in that that generation can build upon. You shall be called the repairer of the breach. This, of course, is wall builders. Not all the walls are down, but sometimes there is a breach in the wall. And it's through those breaches that the enemy comes almost unobstructed and unhindered. And you shall be a restorer of streets to dwell in. I think he's saying, you know what I mean? We're having a major effect in neighborhoods. Yeah. It's not just a poetry. It's a commission. So how about repairing, if it needs to be, your vision gate. Without a vision, the people perish. What is your vision? Do you have a vision? Because the effects of no vision is quite devastating. They perish. The children of Israel failed to have vision, and so they perished in the wilderness. Their life went on, but they missed their promise. So it's not that the vision gate, I'm not suggesting that, but do you need to repair something regarding your tomorrow? Values gate. My people are destroyed for the lack of Knowledge. 
That's not legalism, church. That's warning us that this, the bridge is out. Yeah. The values gate. No one would argue with a Christian perspective in some sense of the word of God that our value gates is in major disrepair in this nation and therefore in the lives, in homes, you know, both in individuals and families. Prayer and praise gate. Motivation. We sang the song about, you know, worship and wonderful things that the Lord has done. And David talked about how he needed the joy of salvation restored. Jesus said that your salvation's joy should preempt all other joys in your life. Rejoice that your names are written or just simply, you know, that you're saved. I like what the writer said in Habakkuk that Though there's no cattle in the stall and no feed in the barn, (laughs) you know, and there's no crops in the field, and I mean, it is the bleakest of bleak. There is nothing in the present that can produce for tomorrow. But he said, I will rejoice in God, who is my salvation. And then he goes on to say, as God is so uniquely able to bring something out of nothing, because that's what he did with the world. He made it out of nothing. And so we have a desolation, and then all of a sudden he says, but you are going to ride on the high mountains. You are going to dance across the land like a deer, you know, in its light-footedness travels. Hallelujah. The bridge, repairing the gate of praise, Repairing the gate of prayer. There's a warfare gate. It says in Genesis chapter 22, we read, you shall possess the gate of your enemies. I'm not going to give up without a fight. 
but you will, he said, win. You shall possess the gate of your enemies. Another one. It's the miracle gate. I believe in miracles. But I think we need to believe for miracles. Repairing, you know what I mean? The miracle gate. It was in Acts chapter 3 that this one sat at the gate of the temple. There he found that miracle and everyone was amazed. I would be too, but repairing the miracle gate in our lives. Expecting a miracle. And then the glory of God gate. First and foremost, it's all about his reputation. And I think that's why the scriptures begin to detail what's needed in the gatekeepers. Loyalty, integrity, commitment, you know, godly lifestyle. Because it's about his honor. It's about his honor. And if you are, and you are, God's temple, and every temple has gates, access, God's temple. And if your thoughts are the inhabitants of that city, Who is there? I'm just asking. Now, if there are some that don't belong in your city, you need to do something about it because that we are to to bring every wandering thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need to do a neighborhood sweep. Somebody give the Lord a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Some things have to go, and then some things have to come back in. Hallelujah. 
Was the church in Revelations not saved or just out of fellowship? Now, I think they were out of fellowship. I don't think they were not saved because if you get saved, man, a living, I don't know how you're going to undo that. <laughs> huh? But you can get out of fellowship. He said, I will open and I will come. He doesn't say, I will save you. He says, we'll go ahead and get together again. <laughs> we'll spend some more intimacy and more time together. Yes. Hallelujah. You control. I control my relationship with the Lord. Even though he knocks, I still have to open the gate. The gate of his presence. I'm a gatekeeper. The church is a gatekeeper. It can open up and connect heaven's activity so that it's taken place in earth's environment. Absolutely. There's enemies to be dealt with. But if you're willing, they cannot prevail against you. Now, I understand that the reference there really has to do with death, that death cannot even stop, okay? But remember that Paul said this in in 1 Corinthians 15. He said that the last enemy to be destroyed is death, telling you that there are other you know, lesser, powerful, but nevertheless just as real enemies. And along the way, those are to become destroyed also. And then God says, I'll take care of the last one for you. Hallelujah. Yeah, man. The role and the power of gatekeepers. Yes. So in your personal gates, those gates that shape and direct and influence your life, Job was a gatekeeper of his family. Your garden and my garden have gates. It says in Nehemiah chapter 7 that we can have a gate and we have an assignment outside of our family. But even with that assignment, he said, 
you, may, you need to make sure that you have a gatekeeper in front of your house. Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 3. He says, one at the watch station and another in front of your house. Hallelujah. Solomon said this. He lamented that the Lord had made gatekeepers of the vineyard, but we had not stood in our own vineyard. But my own vineyard, I have not kept. Then go into the story of Solomon. What a major post he had, right? King. Busy role, right? Yeah. But God says, no matter how busy your role is, don't neglect your home gate. Don't neglect your home gate. Finding balance in life is the challenge, isn't it, church? We'll ask the musicians to come this morning. Oh, hallelujah. The enemy will come through unguarded gates. For if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would have come, he would not have suffered loss. Vigilance and diligence. In everything, if you are keen to it, you will find a spirit way before you find the act of the spirit. And that's where you want to catch it. Down here, it's challenging. That again, of course, is why the scripture talks about our spirit so much, because it's much easier here than, than here. So you want to guard your garden. When God set Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it was to tend and to keep it. And then, of course, you can move into the value system, et cetera, et cetera. How's your gates? How you doing as a gatekeeper? Are there some that have need repair? But they all need to be watched. Yes. 
you're familiar with them, and I won't elaborate on them, but some of the gates are your lips. You're a keeper of your mouth. You've got to guard the lip gate. You've got to guide that, guard the eye gate. Got to guard the foot gate and the ear gate. The eye gate and the ear gate are entrance gates. The lip gate is both entrance and exit. The ear gate doesn't have to be in direct conversation to pick up from other conversations because it's omnidirectional. Now, as you parents, we know this, you know, our child comes home and we says a word that they never heard (laughs) in your house. And they weren't in direct conversation either with anybody. But that omnidirectional ear, that moves right into spiritual realm. You know what I mean? Just a distant negative. And out here and there begins to have an effect on those gates. Yes. Gates. Shall we stand this morning? Hallelujah. We are gatekeepers. We are gatekeepers. We control the entrances and the exits. Now, we're not alone in this. Don't get me wrong. We could never win on our our own. The Holy Spirit is an absolute steadfast guide. But he can't do anything if you don't do anything. But if you do something, praise God, you'll see how powerful he really is. For he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So there he incorporates, of course, the lip gate. And then he incorporates, you know, the uh, inhabitants of your city, your thoughts. Think. Why is thinking so important? Because as a man thinks, (laughs) so is he. So you, you, you become what the pattern of your thinking is. You do. 
That's why he says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Moving forward, going forward, individually and as a church. Gates. You are, we are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells in us. You are not your own. Hallelujah. That's good news. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So I want to ask you this morning as we leave, would you watch the gates of your temple? Would you repair the gates that may need repairing in your temple? Amen. Because... It is his temple. Father, we honor you today as we go from this place. God, and acknowledge the tremendous role that we play, not only in our lives, but the lives of other people. Not only the role we play in the lives of other people, but the role that we play, God, in our world. And so we thank you, we thank you for for a renewal and a repairing. That not only the gates of life, but the gates to our heart, in Jesus' name. All the people said, Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.